You know, one of the things I love about the Royal Family Kids ministry is um, that none of those kids asked for that situation. No child is born and then looks for the opportunity to have to be taken away from their mother and father. And so it is the hand that they're dealt in their life, right? But even though they've been handed a situation, like a losing situation, that there's a group of people who said, "Uh uh-uh. No, we're going to step in and we're going to actually give you an experience to help you know how valuable you are. Because that's one of the biggest struggles to be taken away from a mom and dad. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't know where I belong. (laughs) Your identity can get so messed up. And so this group of people who come in and say, no, you are valuable, you are loved, and they turn the situation around. It's amazing. So they didn't get what they asked for. They just were handed that. So to flip that around now, it kind of reminds me, it made me this whole message today. I initially thought of the NFL draft. Anybody ever watch the NFL draft? Okay. Thank you. Kim, that's wonderful. (laughs) If you ever watch it just at the beginning, what happens is there's a room of guys, right, that they think are going to go in the first round. And everybody sits there with their family and their loved ones all around them. And there's some guys who decide to stay home and they're in their living room and they're surrounded by their loved ones. And what's crazy though is you're sitting there and you have no idea which team is going to take you. And you're hoping you get picked so that you don't have to be the last one sitting in the room, right? And then all of a sudden you hear this. With the 13th pick of the NFL draft, the Detroit Lions select you. And you get this jersey. Now, here's what happens is everybody walks out and they're acting like they're super happy, right? You gotta know, for the guy who gets drafted by the Lions, he's going, you're kidding me. (laughs) And he's gotta put on the hat and he's gotta put on the jersey. And basically what's going on is when he's saying, you're kidding me, and they're going, nope, nope, I'm sorry. You're gonna actually have to lose for the rest of your life. Seriously, you know, I took Caleb yesterday and we watched the Justice League. I would love it if Wonder Woman could throw a lasso around the guy who gets drafted by the Lions because he's just got to be sitting there going, you're kidding me. They don't win. Man, can you imagine the best case scenario in the NFL draft is for the guys who aren't quite good enough and they slip to the end and they hear with the 32nd pick in the NFL draft, the New England Patriots. Right? And they're like, yes! I'm so glad I wasn't good enough to be drafted by the Lions. <laughs> and, and, but I, I'm serious. I think about that and I go, what would it be like to have to put on this jersey and go for 60 years now? 60 years they haven't been able to win. And the Patriots can't do anything but win. To get drafted by a winning team. Man. I remember Jeff Hardings. He was a guy who actually played football for the Lions. And then uh, when we moved out here, he actually spent his off-seasons here. And Jeff was a great guy. And then, and he was really good, an up-and-coming Pro Bowl-type player. And uh, when his contract was up, because they're the Lions, they didn't even try to renew his contract, right? So what happens is he gets to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'll never forget talking with Jeff. He's like, oh, my gosh, Dave. He goes, it is completely different. The whole atmosphere is just different. Not only that year did the Lions go 2-14 and, and the Steelers went 13-3, and three, right? 
that it wasn't just that. The Steelers actually lost in the AFC Championship game. And when they came back into their locker, there was an envelope already before the end of the game on every guy's locker with a bonus and a thank you for their season. <laughs> and Jeff was just like, this would have never happened in Detroit. It's an absolute completely different mentality because we're winners and it's different you guys so in your life do you feel like you got one of these jerseys on you feel like that no matter what you do and they try they really do they just can't do it or do you feel like you have a Pittsburgh Steeler jersey on or a New England Patriot jersey on and what the scripture is telling us is yes right there's a battle going on let me just recap. That was in chapter 7, two weeks ago. Paul says, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war. There's a game on inside of you against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And then he says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then Rutledge came in last week and started Romans 8, which is, I think, maybe the greatest chapter in the Bible. And it just says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the first thing you just got to know. He says, if Christ is in you, even though your body's subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the... Oh, I love this verse. If the Spirit of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living in you. If you guys were here last weekend, if you weren't watching the message, it might gave that great illustration of a glove. And the glove, you can tell a glove, you can try to get the glove to work, but it won't do anything until a living being comes inside of it. And so what, what the Bible's saying is, yes, you may, you're going to have this battle inside, but you can actually have the spirit that rose Jesus from the dead inside of you. And then he says, and he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. So now all of a sudden you're like, wait, 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 wait. The spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is in me? Then maybe I can win. Then maybe I can win. And then it said, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. And so Mike gave the great illustration, just a nice, the spirit filled inside you, remember? And he had a glass of clear, clear pure water. And then he put these colored food colorings in there of, of all the stuff that we, we go after that's not of God. And, and then it got all ugly. But all he had to do, right, was just keep pouring the water in. And eventually all that other stuff comes out. And you can actually be filled with the spirit. It's amazing. The illustration I've always loved for years is the filling of a sail. I, I always feel like it's a sail, and the wind actually fills the sail. And so really what you do when you become a Christian, every human being wants a great life, right? Anybody in here? No, I want a bad life. No, every, every human being is trying to discover what's going to satisfy me. What's going to fill me? How am I going to find my purpose? What am I here for? And so, and everybody's doing this, man. You're rowing your boat and you're trying it. You're trying to find the right person to marry. You're trying to find the right job to have enough resources to give you enough prestige. You're just, you're trying to do good. You're trying to overcome. You're, you're trying. And you know what happens when you become a Christian? Is you exchange your oar, you give it up, and then you receive a sail. 
And then what you do is when you surrender to God, right? That's, that's a good sign. When you, every time you say yes to God, you hoist a sail. And the Bible says the spirit is like a wind and it fills your sail. And now you're like, whoa, 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 wait a second. I'm like moving and I'm not even working. What, what is up with this? How am I being filled up? Where's this freedom? Where's this power? Where's this movement in my life? And he says, it's the spirit of God because you received him and you stopped trying to be good enough for God and you stopped trying to fulfill your life and you gave it over to the one. That's a beautiful picture, man. And so then at the end of what Mike taught last week, it says, for if you live according to the flesh, he goes, you're actually gonna die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you're going to live. Anybody here want to live? Every one of you wants to live. But here's what I know, man. The game is on. And I know it well. The battle is on. I'm in it, and you're in it. So here's where we're going to go today, okay? And we're just talking right through. We're now in Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 14. And here's what he says, okay? He just said, if you focus on the flesh, you're going to die. But if you live by the Spirit, put to death the misdeeds of the body. You're going to live, he says, for, okay? So again, it's a continuing thought. He goes, how? How in the world? How, how can I do this then? How can I actually have my sail up and, and make sure that I'm going to win? Here he goes. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive, woo, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. What's he saying? And here's, here's why I call this this. this. You become a child of God instead of a slave to sin. You're not a slave anymore. You're a child. In other words, you got on the winning team. Yeah, I'm serious. Thank you, whoever's squealing. You got on the winning team. There was a great exchange. No oars, a sail. No longer slaves to sin where you have to obey this fleshly thing inside of you. No, you don't have to anymore. You're a child of God. And so John 1 says, to all who receive him. I got tons of scripture, by the way, man. Seriously, if you got your, your notebook or your pad and your pen, I have a lot of scripture that's not going to be on the screen. You're going to want to write this stuff down, okay? John 1, 12 and 13. To all who receive Christ... To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor a human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. God is like, you believe in Christ? You receive him? Bam! I'm coming inside you. Depositing my, the scripture uses this word, depositing my seed inside you. My spirit inside you. And now you have my DNA in you. You have the spirit of God in you. Come on, guys. You Christians in here. See, that changes the whole game. 
John 3, 5 and 8, Jesus said this, Very truly I tell you, no one, okay? You can't enter the kingdom of God unless you're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should, be, you should not be surprised by me saying you must be born again. Listen, because the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Can I ask you this morning, do you know that spirit? Are you being moved by that spirit? Are you being led by that spirit? Are you being empowered by that spirit? Is he the spirit of God that rose Jesus Christ living inside of you? He goes, if so, you're not a slave to sin anymore, man. In fact, I wore this, this white jersey because this was in Dominican Sioux, okay? And he was drafted in the first round, like the second pick by the Lions. So he had to wear this for four years. As soon as his contract was up, you know what he did? Get rid of it. He said, I'm out of here, man. I want out of Detroit, baby. Now, he didn't go to a very good team, but he, he could have gone to a better team. But basically, here's what's cool, is he had the opportunity to rid himself of that and join something new. And here's what the Bible says. If anyone is in Christ, the old is gone. You're not on a losing team anymore. You're not on a losing team anymore. The new has come, and this new spirit of God never loses. It's amazing. All right, so here's where we're going. I got six advantages from these few verses of being on the winning team. Six advantages, okay? So we got to bust them to get them through. So let's go right now. Jesus, make your word alive. Encourage us in this room. May you use your word to empower us to help us to understand what we didn't understand before, to see things differently, be alive and active in us so that we can walk out of here filled with you. And I pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here's the first advantage of being on the winning team is you're led, right? You're led. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. See, now this is really, go ahead and throw that scripture up there. Okay. Um, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So here's what we're saying. If you're a child of God, okay, if you are, you are led by his spirit. So here's what you got to know right now. So if some of you are going, okay, that's not actually, it's, it's, it's uh, Romans 8, 14, for all who are led. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Please, this is all my fault, <laughs> the way I put this together. All right, anyway, we're good. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God, children of God. That is a sign. You guys, here's what you got to know. It's not going to church, okay? You can go to church and not be a child of God. You can be religious and not be a child of God. You can try to be a really good person and not be a child of God. If you know right now that everything you do is you trying to figure things out, trying to make things happen, trying to go for it, and you've never sensed what it is to be led by the Spirit of God. He goes, and you're not a child of God yet. Now, actually, I would just say, if for some of you, maybe you're going, oh, you, you mean there could be something more? There actually could be a power that I don't possess right now because this is getting really exhausting and it's producing a lot of fear because I never feel like I'm good enough for God. Okay? So here's what's cool, man. If you're a child of God, you're led by him. And that's a beautiful thing, right, to be led. 
It's so funny, one of my buddies is the chaplain for the Lions, uh, Dave Wilson. He did our marriage stuff here uh, a few years ago. And it's so funny. So I get some inside scoop from him. And I'll never forget, one time I was watching the Lions game. And it was like the second play of the game. And the, the quarterback, John Kitten, got so angry. He was livid. He calls a timeout and he runs over the sideline. And he's just going nuts. And you know, you're watching TV and you're like, man, what's his deal? You know what his deal was? The offensive coordinator is up in the booth, and he's the guy who calls all the plays for the offense. And down on the sideline is the backup quarterback. He gives the signs to the backup quarterback, and the backup quarterback gives the signs to John Kittner so they know what to run. You know what? So Kittner is waiting for a play. The backup quarterback's going, I won't give away the guy's name, John. He's on his little mic set. John, trying to get the offensive coordinator's attention. John, we need a play. Nothing. John, we need a play. The offensive coordinator didn't know that the Lions had the ball. <laughs> this is professional football, for crying out loud. So what happens? They're not being led. They have no idea what to do, and that's why they lose, right? Can you imagine having a coach like Bill Belichick? They just win, or Nick Saban, or Urban Meyer. Wherever they go, they win. You know why? Because they're led really well. Are you being led really well by God? Or are you being on your own human, limited understanding, trying to figure out life? And if you are, guess what? We lose. And we keep losing and we keep losing. We're like, I can't figure it out. And God's up there going, God, I'd love to coach you. I don't know if he'd say, God, I'd love to coach you, but I don't know if he talks to himself like that or spits like that. So, Does he lead you? I want to tell you, he wants to lead you in every way. But here's, in this passage, he is the one who leads you away from sin. That's what the Spirit does. He convicts you. He causes you to actually feel the guilt that you should feel, that this is wrong. Because you will do things without the Spirit of God that just don't feel right. Our whole world's doing stuff. And they just go, this is, this is fine. But once the Spirit of God comes in, he, he leads you. And he goes, no, that's not. And we need him to lead us in that. But he's also the one that leads us into God. The kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the one who leads you away from the things that destroy you. And he leads you into God. That's the greatest advantage. So you go, how can I win this thing? Well, receive the Spirit of God, and you'll be led by him. That's the first advantage. Number two, we're secure. We're secure. Romans 8, 15 and 16. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, notice there's three things in here that can help you actually be secure. No fear, number one. No fear. He says, the spirit you receive does not, it's not a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Remember, there's no condemnation. No condemnation for anyone who's in Christ. Christ has paid all of your punishment. So what, what the enemy loves to do, as Mike called him last week, the accuser, he likes to keep telling you, oh man, you're horrible. You slipped up, you fell, you're going down. And then we live in fear again because we don't know if we're good enough for God. And he goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, that spirit is gone. You received a new spirit. So there's no fear. Number two, you have adoption. 
You guys, this is huge. Because when you get adopted, and we have so many people here at K2 who adopt, and these beautiful children in the camp who, who need someone to come alongside them, when you get adopted, what happens? You get the full rights of a child. You get the full rights of a child. And here's the coolest thing, right? When you get adopted, you didn't choose. You didn't set up parents for you and go, yeah, I'll take number six. Right? You, you know, you don't get to choose at all. You get what? Chosen. And they pay a high price, don't you? Those of you guys who've adopted, you pay a high price and you empty your pockets and you sell stuff and you try to raise funds because you feel in your heart, I want that kid. I want them. And so you choose them. And so when you're adopted, what you can know is, oh my God, I'm wanted. Your price has been paid. You've been chosen. And now you're a child. And once you're a child, you're always a child. And you never have to fear. And then the last thing that you can, in this it says how you can be secure. It says that his spirit testifies with your spirit. Now I'm just going to tell you right now, this is some of you, this is just weird, but it's true for everyone in here who's actually a Christian. This is so bizarre, but it's true. Some people go, how do you know you're a Christian? You just know. Amen? You just know. Why do you know? Because his spirit is testifying with my spirit. See, the, this, again, is why you go, can go to church and be religious and never have this testimony going inside of you. And you're like, well, I'm trying to be good, and I don't know if I believe in God. Where's his spirit? Because once you, you can't become a Christian unless you have his spirit, right? But once you repent from your old life, turn to God, receive his forgiveness, you receive his Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, it's undeniable. It's just, it's just undeniable. His spirit's inside you, and he just goes, hey, you're mine. And somehow, I know. It's really cool. And that's what Jeff Hardings was saying, right? He goes, Dave, the change in the Pittsburgh Steeler locker room is palpable. It's palpable. And I want to tell you what. Before you know Christ and after him, it's palpable. Because you didn't have the spirit of God inside of you before, and now you have the spirit who rose Jesus from the dead living inside of you, man. Wow, that's crazy good. All right, so we're secure. Number three, okay, another third advantage is you can now know God intimately. Right? Romans 8.15 says this. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. I did this years ago. Let me just ask you guys a real quick question. How many of you, okay, think of your earthly parental figure who's male, all right? How many of you call him father? Nobody. How many of you call him dad? Okay, everybody. Okay, when you pray to God, how many of you call God father? And how many of you call him dad? See the problem? Isn't that interesting? We don't, we have this authority figure father thing. And so our dad, right? My kids in here, I think, I think I heard them maybe. My, they don't call me father. You know, in fact, one of them just told me recently at Gammy's, that's what we call Susie's mom, house, they might call me, start calling me papa. I'm like, wow, that's cool. But I'm dad. Why? Because we have an intimate relationship. I'll never forget, man, I was praying with a group of pastors and there was a pastor up north. And he just stirred off his prayer, and he goes, oh, Daddy. And I'm, uh, and, and I'm like, okay, that was weird. 
And then as he's praying, I'm like, it ain't weird to him. It ain't weird to him. He knows God better than I do. He's more intimate with him. There's a tenderness. There's a beauty. And here's what happens. When the Spirit of God fits inside of you, all of a sudden God is not some vast theory or a being out there. He comes inside of you. Oh, oh, yeah. He's still almighty and powerful, and he's your creator, and you know you don't have life without him. He is holy and righteous, and he is all those things. And then he comes inside, and you go, oh, my gosh, the most powerful being in the world is my dad. He's my dad. So when you're a Christian, the advantage of being on the winning team is you have an intimacy now. Do you have an intimacy with God? Do you hear his voice? Do you receive his comfort? Are you led by him? This is what happens. We know God intimately. And then the fourth one, he says, and if once you know God intimately, he goes and you're his child, now you're an heir. Woo! Anybody an heir in here? Okay, I'll talk to you after the service. Okay? No, an heir. Look at this, Romans 8, 17. He says, and if you're children, then you're heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Now, if you're an heir, what does that mean? That means what your parents possess is? It's yours. Oh, come on. Seriously? So what God possesses is yours. And just to make sure you'd understand it, he goes, okay, that might be a little freaky for you. Let me say it this way. You're a co-heir with Christ. Because what is Jesus? Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So now we got to actually see God in action on the planet. So now you see a guy who loves everybody, who has power over sin, power over the demonic world, who lives righteously like all the time. And he goes, hey, guess what? And everything Jesus had is, it's yours. Oh my goodness. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is inside of you. You're on a winning team. Are you kidding me? This is amazing. 2 Corinthians 2, 21 and 22 puts it this way. It is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. I love that. Who, who makes, how, how are you going to stand firm in Christ? Well, you better buckle down and get her done. Uh-uh. It is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. How? Because he anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us, and he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. <laughs> See, so here's what happens. As soon as you receive Christ, you get the spirit, okay? But you have this, Romans 7, but you have the spirit over here now giving you a desire for life, but you're still in this goofed up body. So you still have this sinful nature, right? We've still got this battle going on. But you have the Spirit. And what is it? The Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. You know what's to come, you guys? Is when you're done, you know what this body does? I love it. Paul says your body right now, your earthly body is a tent. You know why he uses a tent? Because what's the purpose of a tent? When you build a tent, what do you want to do with a tent? You want to set it up and then what? You want to tear it down. This body was made to be made and then to be tore down. And then he says, and when you get to heaven, you're going to get a whole new body, man. It's a, it's a glorious heavenly body, and it's a house. It ain't going away. 
And so here's what he's saying is, but your spirit in you now is a deposit, so you can taste right now. Not in fullness, okay? Nobody down here. You're going to battle. You're going to still be in the battle. But you're in a battle. But it's a deposit to guarantee you what's to come. And that's next week, by the way. Come back next week. It gets really good. What's going to come is the fullness. You're going to win, baby. You're going to hold up the Lombardi trophy. You're going to say, we won. And it's amazing. All right, so what did I just say? Six advantages. You're led, you're secure, you know God intimately, and you're an heir. Now here's the fifth one. If you suffer. All right, okay, let's close in prayer and get out of here. Now look at this, Romans 8, 17. He goes, you're heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ provided or if you suffer with him. Now, let me go through this. This is a whole message. I'll have to do a whole message on this, but let me just bust it through. There's lots of different ways we suffer, okay? Here's one, the suffering of persecution, okay? Jesus said, if you follow me, guess what? The world's going to hate you like it hated me. You're, you're going to live in a different way and people aren't going to dig it, okay? So there's a suffering of persecution. Number two, there's a suffering to love, there's a suffering to love. Ephesians 5.1 says, Walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Okay? So every time you love, this is premarital, I love it, bring couples in and go, okay, you guys ready for this? Your marriage can rock if you'll die and if she'll die. If you'll actually lay down your life and sacrifice yourself when you don't want... Okay, right? You have to sacrifice. You lay yourself down. And every time you do, you suffer when you do that. Don't you? Come on. Do you, how many of you suffer to love? Okay, the rest of you don't love then. You don't know. No, this is true. So you suffer to love. But here's, here's the two I want you, I think, in the context of this passage, listen to this. There's a suffering in discipline. There's a suffering in discipline. I'm telling you this, man, you don't get a professional jersey on your back. You don't join that team and then go, yeah, but I ain't going to practice. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to get in shape. It doesn't matter what I eat. I'll just party all night. What happens to those guys? The people who don't discipline their body, and it hurts, right? How many of you have ever disciplined your body? It is a painful thing. But here's the point. If you're not in shape, you won't play. Or if you do play, you're not going to play well. And then what happens? Your whole team loses, right? Because believe me, I watched the Lions, and one guy blows the play, and it's all blown up, and they don't, and they don't win. So Paul's like, here's, look at this, 1 Corinthians 9. He says this, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? You're on a team. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. And they do it to get a crown that's not going to last. But we do it to get a crown that'll last forever. So Paul says, so therefore, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beat in the air. No, he goes, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Can I tell you this? If you're a Christian, but you've received the spirit of God, but you're going, yeah, but you know, I'll just, I'll just go to church when I feel like it. I don't need to read the Bible. Okay. <laughs> Why would I be in relationship with other people? I can do this on my own. I don't need a train. How you doing? 
Seriously, how, how's the power in your life? Where's the peace? You got joy? Are you living righteously? I'm telling you, man, if you don't actually discipline yourself, it's right in the scripture. You got a new jersey on, but that jersey, then everybody who runs that race goes into strict training, then go into, you got to, and that's going to hurt. So there's a discipline of suffering. I don't have time to get into this, this next one, but write down Hebrews 12. Here's the other thing. If you won't discipline yourself, guess who will? Okay? If you're on a team and you're not, you're just, if you got a good coach, what's he do? He gets all over you. And, and if it's a good coach, why does he get all over you? Because he wants you to win. Tom Landry's greatest quote, he makes you do what you don't want to do so you'll become who you want to be. And I tell you what, Romans, Hebrews 12 is a great passage where he goes, God's treating you as a son and every son is disciplined by his father. It's never pleasant at the time, but painful. But he wants you to share in his holiness. Okay, so there's the dis- suffering of discipline. Now, this one, I'm just going to go through, but this is, I think this is the heart of probably of this passage. Okay? And it's the suffering of obedience. Now, now you guys, listen, Christians, hang with me on this passage. You're on a winning team. But you can actually somehow, you can be on a winning team and still be losing. You can be a child of the king and never actually live like it. And he says, and here's what he's saying, and you won't experience the glory if you don't share in his sufferings. And it's the suffering. I think it's the suffering of obedience. Hebrews 4.15, write these verses down and then meditate on them later. Hebrews 4.15 says this. We do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, but he, but he never sinned. I'm telling you, man, so the spirit of God's inside of me and Romans 7 is alive. And then temptation comes and you're like, what? <laughs> And Jesus is like, I've been tempted in every way. That one you just got, ooh, oh yeah, I faced that one. Okay? Now here you go. The temptation to do is always to do what he doesn't want you to do, or the temptation is to not do what he asks you to do, right? That's the temptation. Because here's the temptation I don't want to obey God. <laughs> And that's where Paul in Romans 7 goes, I love his law. And yet there's this other law inside of me that says, I don't want to obey him. And so guess what happens? As soon as you just go, well, I just give in. Guess what? Because when that tension's going on, you know what you're doing? What are you doing? You're suffering. This is hard. So eventually it's too hard. And you go, oh, I just give in. And what happens? Oh, okay. Whew. That pain, that suffering's gone. Or you just say, no, I'm not going to do it. And guess what happens? The pain, the suffering is gone. You relieve the tension. And Jesus is saying, I never one time gave in to the tension. Ever. So listen to what he says. Hebrews 2.18 says, because he himself, Jesus suffered, listen, because he suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. He knows the suffering. Hebrews 5, 7, and 8. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, this is amazing, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Jesus had to be saved from death. So what was he doing? He was crying out to God, agonizing with tears. Can you picture the garden with me? 
I don't want to do it. Remember that? Sweats of draw blood flowing down, crying out. No, I don't. My flesh, he's human and he doesn't want to do it. And then he says, but not my will be done, but yours be done. Oh, unbelievable. So he cried out to the one who could save him from death and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Isn't that crazy? Son though he was. Hey, all of you children of God, Jesus learned his obedience through suffering. So then he goes on in 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself with the same attitude. You know what, the, you know what attitude is? It's a mindset. You guys remember last week's passage? What does it say? Those who have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Get this life of the Spirit. So you got to arm yourself with the same mindset, the same attitude. you got to put your mind on the things of Christ because whoever suffers in his body is done with sin. You win! So we're sitting here going, why don't I win? Well, because as soon as temptation comes up, you're like, oh, man, I just, all right, well, I'm in. But when you do that, the enemy goes, oh, I told you, you're no good. And Jesus comes in and goes, rips that guy off and goes, that dude's got my jersey on. He's in my family. There's no condemnation. No condemnation. Get up. Let's do it again. Come on. Even you guys play football? How many times your coach go, come on, get up. Let's do it again. Come on, do it again. Do it again. Get up. Do it again. And man, I tell you, man, I fall with the best of you. But I dare gum it. I'm going to get up again. Because the Holy Spirit is inside of me. And I'm going to win. Because I'm on the winning team. And then the last thing, the advantage is you will be glorified with Christ. Heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. What did the Bible say? What was the scripture last week? The same spirit who rose Jesus from the dead is living inside you. Do you believe that? To do what? To give life to your mortal body. To give life to this thing that's struggling, that's bringing you down, that's taking you down. And he's like, no, you can. And this is what's cool. Yes, not until I get to heaven am I going to get my glorified body and finally be completely set free, right, from sin. I'm, that's when it's going to be done. But I'm telling you, right now, there are people who live amazing, glorifying lives. I read this book this week called Killing Kryptonite. And man, at the last chapter, all it was was story after story after story of major, crazy healings and deliverances and showing up of God and people being set free. Do you believe that can happen? Yes. Dad, I do too. But I got to confess to you, man, I'm not seeing it like I want to. Anybody else? I'm not seeing it like this is saying it. 
So one of the things I got to remember, man, because I feel the lie all the time. Nelson, you're a loser, man. You can't do it. You don't live up to it. You, and it's a constant battle. And so you got to fight this passage that says, no, David, you received Christ. The old's gone. You aren't a Lions fan anymore. Woo! You have thrown it away, and you have a new family, a new father, a new spirit. You're a new creation. Now you just got to learn how to live like it. You're an heir with Christ, and everything he had is yours. Come on, you guys. This is why you cannot miss the next two weeks, because he ain't done yet. You still got two more things he's got to make sure you understand. You got to meditate on the last two messages. You got to soak in this and you got to believe the next two. And then if you put the whole thing together, you actually have a shot at living a life of glory to God. One that'll bless everybody around you, setting you free from all your self-concern and your self-protection and your selfish ambition, which is what I'm trying to overcome in my heart. And I believe I can by the power of Jesus Christ. And then, oh God, that's what's so cool. And then I'm free too. And then I'm free too. It's a win, win, win. So what do we got to do, man? The application is you must remember who and whose you are in the middle of the battle. You're on a winning team. You're a child of God. You're secure. You know God intimately. You're led by his spirit and you're a co-heir with Christ. Take this passage home, memorize it, and get it into your being. Number two, you got to suffer with Jesus, y'all. You just, you don't get to be on the team and just go, okay, this is awesome. No, you have to, in your own discipline, you have to submit to God's discipline. And in your own obedience, you just got to realize this is going to be hard. Whew, but I'm going to do it. And then you got to run in such a way to win the prize you got to believe that you can live a glorified life. you got to run in such a way to win the prize. All right? So, man, we're going to close right now with a great song to help you begin to worship. Because now what you got to do is worship. You guys, and worship is not just, band, you guys, come on. Worship is not just singing songs, but they call singing songs worship because it, God gave us a gift to take thoughts and tie them to your heart. That's what worship does. Music moves you. Does it not move you? Moves, music moves you. And so it moves you and you take these new thoughts and you let them get into your heart and then they come together and they help solidify in you. Yes, you are a good, good father. Yes, I am forgiven. Yes, this is amazing grace. Yes, I will surrender to you. And so you worship him. This is important for you. So we're going to take our offering. Why? Because worship is obedience. It's yes. And so we talked about this two weeks ago. When you love God with all your heart, right? Your flesh is going, don't give anything. Your heart is going, but I love him with all my heart. And so you give. And then every time you give, what happens? It goes to the ministries that touch everybody in this room and all around the world. And you're loving other people. And then the coolest thing happens is then your heart's free. And so the enemies in the flesh is going, don't, 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 no, live for you, live for you. And the battle's on right now. Okay, so here we go. This song, I guess we sang it when I was in here a few weeks ago. But man, I looked at the words and I've been listening to it. And it's powerful. It's powerful that you have a God who loves you. But can I tell you this, man? He loves you like a dad. And I tell you what, man, I love my kids. 
But I can tell you this, man. I want to see my kids become everything that they can be. Anybody else? And so you know what that means? That means sometimes I got to come in and I got to discipline them. But when I do it, I got to make sure that I love them. But I can't let anything come into their life, right, that's just going to destroy them. And here's what God says. He goes, I love you so much. I love you so much. I know what you could be. So, man, I'm going to come in. I'm going to secure you with my Holy Spirit. I'm going to show you how much I love you by dying for you. I'm going to be everything of that, but at the same time, I'm coming in. I'm coming in to get rid of everything in your life that's hindering you from winning. And then you just say, okay, God, bring it on, man. Bring that Holy Spirit into me. Convict me, Holy Spirit. Convict me, Holy Spirit. Convict me. Show me, Holy Spirit. Lead me to confess this. And then remind me that when I confess, you forgive me, that all my sin was forgiven. And then, Lord, I'm going to turn to you, and then you fill me. As soon as I turn to you, I'm going to surrender you and fill me, fill me. Fill me with your power and your love and your self-control and your peace and your joy. Fill me. It only happens when your sails hoisted. So let's hoist it, all right? Let's stand and let's worship him. And your readers, let's go ahead and take our offering.